if you're surrounded by radically generous people who are just there to cheer you on, what kind of person are you going to be compared to like a place where people are picking at you all day, telling you what's wrong. And so we tend to see people go from like, here's my dream to like, whoa, my dream is going to be so much bigger if all of you are here on my team and starting to feel like, oh, that stuff that I had inside me that I didn't even dare say out loud. I'm going to put that on the table and see what happens. And so we like your potential is just like so much more vibrant and alive when you're surrounded in an environment where people are like, let's yes, yes, please. That sounds amazing. What do you need? Hello, and welcome to the Conspiracy of Goodness podcast, where you'll hear conversations that generate one aha moment after another for you. There is an enormous wave of goodness and progress well underway in the world. And this wave, almost no one knows enough about yet. It is so well hidden by the negative noise in our media landscape that I'm calling it a conspiracy of goodness. And if you're listening to this podcast, it's probably because you're a part of that wave. You are probably a remarkably important doer, giver, idea person, and helper in your circles. And the guests on this podcast will give you inspiration, joy, and fresh ideas about how to continue that key role. So welcome, I'm Dr. Linda Ulrich, founder of the mothership website of this podcast called The Goodness Exchange. There you can have access to instant good news, thousands of articles about what's right with the world. And there you will find videos from this podcast and all kinds of other content that we've created to really shine a light on how amazing the world still is, despite the negative narrative. And today we're going to get started with more of that kind of content by interviewing an amazing woman, Vicki Saunders. Uh, Vicki is an entrepreneur and advisor to the next generation of change makers. In 2015, she founded SheEO, now Coralus a radically generous community supporting women plus non-binary people who are creating um, and running disruptive business ventures while getting the world's to-do list done. Ah, when I read that line right there, I'm, I'm, I was in love with this organization already. Her backstory um, leading up to this leap in business innovation is both fascinating and instructional for us all. And I think it's a, it's really built on the future of work and what's coming. Vicki co-founded and ran several important business ventures in Europe, Toronto, and Silicon Valley, um, taking one company public to the Toronto Stock Exchange. And it soon became clear that the system was inaccessible to women, with female-founded startups receiving less than 4% of the available venture capital. So Vicki turned her attention to, um, and her experience to mentoring young female entrepreneurs. And out of all that energy came Coralis. It's such a model of business. Um, and I am so proud to be chatting with her about what comes next. So here's why we're here today. When I saw this on their website, I knew that my audience would love this, this concept and this way of thinking about what's possible. They say right at the top of the website, we are proof a more beautiful world is possible. We are an alternative economy with trust as our core, and we are a working model of regenerative capital. I want to hear about all those things. So welcome, Vicki Saunders. Thanks so much. I'm very happy to be here. I'm, I'm super interested in a conspiracy of goodness. Thank you very much for putting it up. <laughs> well, we've got it. We've got to have something that's quite the opposite of what we're all working with right now, huh? Absolutely. <laughs> so, you know, first, let's take that mission apart. I'm, I'm not kidding when I said I, I, I was introduced to you through um, a mutual friend, David Pearl and his wonderful right-hand man, Philip. And the minute I landed on your website, I said, oh, the world needs to know that this exists and they need to be connected with it in some way. So you've got, we are proof a more beautiful world is possible. Let's start there. Talk, talk to us about that. Sure. Yeah. I mean, uh, at the very beginning of this dreamy thing, me rethinking how you could do business differently, uh, I said, imagine a lot. And now I don't need to say that anymore because we have lots of examples, a lot of proof. 
Um, so imagine like, I, know, I just said imagine, which is so funny as uh, 70% of people can still move their legs, people that are in wheelchairs, but there's nothing designed to keep them active, but also stable. Okay. So they stay in a wheelchair and they start to like lose more of their mobility. They get isolated. People look down at them because they're in a wheelchair and they start to like have all kinds of issues around how they like being excluded. Mm-hmm. A woman in our network um, who was selected by this community rethought the walker in the wheelchair and went, what's, what, how do we design something for people that are still like want to be mobile, but maybe had a hip replacement, have early stage Parkinson's, have MS. And so she designed a walking bike where you sit basically at eye level. So a person walks along with you, you're still looking at them in the eye and you move it with your feet. So it keeps you active, but you're stabilized. So even if you're shaking, you can still keep moving. And what brilliant, right? But like we design most of the things in the world for people with problems instead of for how people want to live. And it's kind of almost everywhere we go, every venture that we've selected in this community has has looked at something that's been excluded, something that's been designed for something as a problem as opposed to an asset, and then rethought it. Mm -hmm. And it's an absolutely delicious thing to be part of a community where every day you're discovering these great ideas. And a lot of them don't get funded because they're not the traditional thing. Like we fund things that like, make money off disease as opposed to solve disease, (laughs) right? Like everything is upside down in opposite land. Um, And so that's one example. We have so many more, someone who uh, courier packaging that's made out of pollution, plastic pollution from the ocean. Because if you just think of what happened during COVID and prior to that, when we order things from Amazon and other courier companies, it comes to you in this packaging, which all goes into the landfill. And just like, oh my God, how much of that has happened? And it gets worse every year. So this is actually home compostable courier packaging that is originally made out of plastic pollution that's collected in rivers and waterways in impoverished communities by those folks who live in those communities before it gets into the ocean. And it's used as a raw material for all the packaging. Like amazing stuff that of course women are making up all the time going, how hard would this be to solve? And they come up with something and they do it and then they take it out there and people go, yeah, but that's, that's too hard. It's too complicated getting someone to take pollution out before it gets in the ocean. You're like, yeah aren't we here to solve these problems? But Mm -hmm. the economy is mostly set up to not solve those problems, just use as much raw material as cheaply as possible to get it out there to consume more. Um, So yeah, that the proof that it's another world is possible. We have lots and lots of those on our website. I I tell you that that's pretty much strictly everything that's on the goodness exchange as well. And I think we've written an article about the organization that you're talking about. This is um, a group that um, discovered that 90% 90% of the ocean plastics come from 10, just 10 rivers. And they figured out how to, how to have women owned businesses collecting that, that trash before it winds up in the water. Better it's, packaging. It's a, yeah. The yeah. first one is called yeah. the Olinker, second one, better packaging out of New Zealand. Amazing. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Okay. So I'm sure we could tell story after story. And I want you to tell stories through this whole interview. Cause this is what gets people fired up about the other narrative. <laughs> The other narrative is that we we can control our future and we have agency, each one of us, and that there's organizations like you mm-hmm. who are yours that are funding this. I mean, give us the basic business model right off. Uh-huh. Yeah, sure. So, um, you know, we, we live in a pretty extractive kind of economy. So it's like, how do I make money off someone else's doing something? Um, and we come at this, as you said at the beginning, from this concept of radical generosity, like a completely different way of thinking about where, where does capital need to go? We want capital to stay in flow and we want it to go to the highest and uh, best use every year and then recycle on to next people. So this model is a crowdfunding based approach. So hundreds of women in each country, and we do this country by country, we're in five different countries right now. So in the if you're in the US or if you're in Canada, listening to this, you know, hundreds of women in your country each year contribute $1,100. It's a gift in the US to get a tax receipt. Um, and we do this in a monthly subscription. We call it subscribing to the new world. So for $92 a month, you put money into this community. And once a year, we accept applications from these amazing businesses that apply. They're all revenue generating and they're um, owned and operated by women or non-binary folk. And they're all working on the world's to-do list, something like super amazing. And we vote for who gets that money. So the money is all pooled together. And we just trust the collective to vote in what matters to us collectively this year. 
And then those ventures get roughly a hundred thousand dollar zero percent interest loan, which they pay back over five years. Some take longer, some take shorter. We're agnostic about the time frame. Like we're not sitting there every quarter going, Where's your check? I mean, we sort of do, but like if you have stuff's going on, then we're flex about it, right? the way we should be given conditions of the world. And uh, people pay this back. So 95% payback rate uh, on these loans that are at very early stage businesses, like 50K in revenue to 2 million max. So we vote for things we care about. We loan them the money. They pay it back over time. And as the money comes back in, we loan out more money to the next group coming along. And it's this rotating cycle of capital. And we started, you know, tiny little thing with like, 500 women funding the first $500,000 of money out to five businesses. And now we have 180 businesses around the world across five countries. The model is exported to other countries. And we all, you know, way back in 2015, when we started this, I remember standing in rooms and going, who can name three women entrepreneurs? And almost nobody could do that, which is so crazy now. Now it's way in the narrative, which is so great. Like, it's amazing to see how fast that's changed. But a lot of us didn't see all these businesses that were around us because they're not the ones we put on the cover of the magazine. That's right. Like these, you know, we just put in like how much money have you raised is like not even caring that much what you do, but oh, you raised $400 million, must matter. And I'm like, actually, it's a robotic pizza company, which we flushed $500 million at Silicon Valley. That's one of my favorite ones. So I'm like, what? Um, but we just really get capital to people that need it. They pay it back. They grow their businesses. We become their customers. We are marketing their businesses by talking about it to our friends. We help them if we have introductions we can make. If they get stuck with things, there's a bunch of influencers in our community who are like, oh, I had that issue too. I'm on this. Let me come and negotiate with you. During COVID, when people had all kinds of issues with rent and commercial real estate and stuff, we were in there negotiating and helping people out. And it's really fun to be part of each other's stories. Like, it's just a great thing to do. And we do this all um, as a gift, but also because this is, we want to live in a world of businesses like this, not the kind that are just extracting. I I just think that that, that there are just, there's just line after line in what you just said that are so fundamentally um, a part of what I feel like is coming in the future. Like I feel this, yeah. this, this sense that of, of, of a, that we've gone past a tipping point. Mm-hmm this feeling apart at like the, the uh, being a part of somebody else's success. Yeah. Huge. This huge. is, this is in at our core. This is who we are. We are not who we and see that, on social media. <laughs> yeah. And I mean this, yeah, this, we have a, this overarching kind of narrative of like winner takes all one person, like wins everything heroes narrative, you know, like capital H there's like a person who did this all alone. I'm like, nobody does anything all alone. Um, and it's just so much harder to do things alone too. So it's, it's way more fun um, to, I mean, like as an entrepreneur, this is, I'm an entrepreneur. So if you're like listening to this and you're like kind of a creator out there, like most of the time we live in this space where we're surrounded by people picking apart our idea or like poking holes at things. It's like, well, how's that going to scale? And what's going to happen here? And how do you know this is going to work? And like, you have all these like things coming at you. And the, the literally opposite land experience you have here when you apply is we all go, oh my God, Linda, this is the coolest thing I've ever heard of. Like, this is amazing. How can I help you? What do you need? And you're, you're kind of like looking over your shoulder going, where am I? <laughs> like, what is this? We just don't come at you with all the no's. This is a place of giant Y-E-S. Love you. How can we help? Okay, we're going to take a short break. And when we come back, we got to hear more about this world of yes. And this, I, I love the way you talk about collective wealth that it, and all kinds of wealth, not just money that we can contribute to each other's way in the world. So we'll be back and we will explore this new world of what's possible together. Hey, Dr. Linda here. Did you know that a recent Harvard study found that exposure to just four minutes of good news each day will make you 32% less anxious and 18% more optimistic? Just four minutes. We've all got that much time to devote to our worldview and our sense of flourishing. Yes, if you make a habit of learning about just one piece of remarkably good news each day, you can be the one in your circles with fresh insights, ideas, and a sense of strength. 
Okay, so that takes care of the problem in our personal lives. But what about our work environments? We need to feel like we come alive there, that we have meaning and purpose there. Well, enter the goodness exchange for business. For companies that want to create optimistic and values-driven work cultures, our content can give you a way to turn aspirational ideas like positivity into a concrete way of being in the workplace. In fact, employee retention and attraction may depend on your company's ability to nurture a tone of innovation, interesting collaborations, and possibility. And most importantly, the Goodness Exchange can meaningfully elevate your company's wellness efforts and benefits packages. Your work culture can be offering employees something new, peace of mind, and that sense of flourishing, where employees' well-being isn't just a perk. It's the way we care about the individuals in our workplaces. So if you'd like to chat about infusing your culture with a tone of celebration about goodness and progress, we'd love to chat. Contact our CEO, Liesl. Her email address is info at goodnessexchange.com. Thanks. Okay, we're back with uh, Vicki Saunders, founder of Coralus. And I got to tell you, she's got one of the ideas of investing in others and the future at the same time that I just can't wait to shout from every corner. So talk to us about this idea of collective wealth. I recently interviewed, I don't know if you've heard of this amazing fellow, uh, Nipun Mehta. Nipun... Um, <laughs> He's got the world going in the right direction as far as follows volunteerism and this movement of giftivism. We'll make sure that anything um, we mention is in the article in the Goodness Exchange around this podcast, so you can see that that uh, episode there. But I'm telling you, when I read your bio and started to dive deeply into your footprint, I felt like. I felt the same way about what's possible. You have opened up an entire new universe and actually the business aspect of caring about others and caring about a brighter future together and how we get there together. Talk to us about this collective wealth thing. That's something that Nipun talks about a lot. Yeah, I think, you know, we have such a crazy, like singular mono narrative of like money is the only thing that matters. Yeah. Basically. Um, and uh, I don't know, like at some point we decided that it was just like, we had to monetize everything, consume everything. Like in the past, uh, you know, like I'm in my fifties now, when I was growing up, like, you know, people just like went to each other's houses, like looked after each other's kids, whatever, this whole like thing of like monetizing everything to like babysitting, like everything, right? Like, it's just so crazy how we've had to put a money price on, on sort of everything. And then it makes you think that to get anything done, you need to have money. So like that's that's kind of the message that starts to happen. But like when you live in community, that is not the case. I grew up on a farm. I know you grew up on a farm as well. Yes. Uh, we just like I witnessed. Oh, you need to create something. Oh well, Jim is great at building decks, and this person's amazing at you know weeding, and this person's great at like whatever, and you just get everything done. You know, like the barn raising sort of concept. But I, like we do that as businesses. So in our community, we've also been told you know, as the CEO of a company or as a person who's, who's got this going, you have to know all the things. That is just such a load of not true. So one of the things that I, like I have an amazing network and I built up my network because of all the things I know that I'm not good at. And I admitted that I wasn't good at it. Right. And then I didn't do those things. So I'm crap at spreadsheets. I know all the best people at spreadsheets. I am, you know, terrible. Like I'm not really, I'm a good storyteller and a pretty good marketer but like, I'm not great at logistics. So I found, found like really good operational people. And as you start to like build your business as a community through that networked kind of way, you really like people that are really good at spreadsheets, like I'll do that for you. It'll take me five minutes and I'd love it. They don't need to charge you for it. Cause it's like what they do with their eyes closed and it's not even work for them. It's so much fun. When I first realized that I was like, what? And then I realized, oh yeah, because for me, I have a ton of connections and anybody who calls me at any time of the day or texts me, Hey, do you know, blah, blah, blah. I'll make an intro and no problem. And that is worth a lot. 
to people. That thing in that moment where I have a relationship. So I'm basically validating and giving credibility to them because of whatever. Um, And so I'm sharing my influence and my power that way. And so this is, that's the collective wealth that starts to happen when we get to know each other, when we're in community together. And then, you know, we mentioned earlier being part of each other's stories. There's nothing more powerful than like, you know, I'm really struggling with how to do this business model. Do you have any ideas? And I'm like, well, tell me some more. And they start, they ask me questions like, okay, I don't have anything right now, but like, let me think about it. And then, you know, the next day I'll meet somebody and this person says three words. and I'm like, oh my God, my friend needs you. And I feel like I have in my lifetime over and over and over with all my businesses, I'm kind of like this central portal kind of uh, person where stuff comes through me all the time. Um, And, you know, I laugh at it. Someone like this is a true story. A person came to me and said, I'm an interspecies ambassador and I'm married to a body of water. Um, And the Amazon has a message for us in the world. Um, and I wonder, I need someone to fund my venture. And I was sitting there thinking, oh my God, I don't know how you found me, but like, hello, what is that? And so I'm like, so curious. So she says all these things. I'm like, okay, I can't think of anyone right now. And then literally three days later, I'm on a call and I said, I don't know why I'm telling you this story, but this is what happened to me. I met this woman and she's looking for, and then she goes, oh God, I have to fund her. That's incredible. And so like, that's community wealth where we're just in flow, detached from outcome, wanting to support each other because we care about each other. And there's so much wealth in all of that that has nothing to do with money. So that's what we're playing with in our community. We experiment with this. We practice it every day. And it's, you know, like when you just show up in that environment with ease and with joy, it's not like some, oh, I have to make seven asks today and four gives. And like, it's not that at all. It's just if you have it, if you're excited about it, do it. And then most of us, like I go to bed every night going, I feel so well used. I feel so well used today. This is this was a great day. And in the way that our narrative is, most people would say, oh, I wouldn't ask Vicky because she's too busy. And so I spend most of my time unwinding mindset to get people to understand that actually the ask is allowed creating a relationship between us. And this is what we can learn from Indigenous culture. That's okay. everything they do is an ask. Yeah. That is so huge. Okay. And, you know, I haven't forgotten my top of our, um, our interview question about going through your three, your three, um, parts of that, the website mission yeah. statement, I would call it. Mm-hmm. Um, I want you to share this native American concept with folks. I, I remember getting goosebumps head to toe in our pre-call, but I think it's this alternative economy with trust as the core currency. That's yeah. the line. Yes. Um, from your mission statement. Tell us about that in the scope yeah. of this indigenous I mean, we, knowledge. We think that the way that we're doing economy is the only way, but it's just mm-hmm. because, you know, most of us have no history. But if you look back, there's lots of other ways that we've done economy in the past. And in particular, if you look at indigenous culture, they had this thing called the potlatch um, at P-O-T-L-A-C-H. And in the potlatch, um, at one point in the year when there's an accumulation of a lot of things, a lot of stuff in the community, it would be brought to the longhouse. And then the women were in charge of distributing this wealth across the community because someone who was maybe a good trapper who had all of these pelts um, didn't think these are my pelts because I was the one who caught this stuff. You know, it was like, this is all of the community and it was distributed to the most, those who needed it most. And we outlawed the potlatch as being uncivilized. Um, and you know, this was a way of people taking assets of the community and sharing them and redistributing them regularly to those most in need in a circular sort of structure. And everything was always passed on. And when we came over, I mean, when Europeans came over, one of the things that we did was we didn't understand this because in indigenous culture, a gift is given to start a relationship. You're not meant to hold on to it. You're meant to then pass it on to the next one when you're done. Gifts are always in flow. And so if you think of currency, it's, it's a current. You don't grab it and hold on to it. That's like anti-current, mm-hmm. right? So the idea is to keep all of our currency in flow. And it's energy. It's nourishment for the community. So we have been playing with this model of a regenerative capital model. And over the last seven years, you know, you put your $1,100 in the first year. It's still flowing whether or not you're an activator in the community anymore, it is still flowing forward. And it is, 
it was loaned to Patrice, but then Patrice paid it back and it went to Madeline and then Madeline paid it back and it's gone to Steffi and then Steffi paid it back and it's gone to, so your money is, has been in relationship with all these people and that that's energy. You are connected to those folks. And it's just like, wow, that's an economy. That sounds so much cooler than this thing where we're like serving this economy. Is the economy doing well? It's doing well today. Okay. Well, I'm not doing so well. You know, it's crazy. Mm. And that, that takes me back to your, your name. You've got a great story about mm. um, starting out as CEO, which yeah. undoubtedly um, had its limitations. And when you discovered that you moved on, but I, I love the whole thing that it just is. So from start to finish, tell us that story of the name. Yeah. Well, I mean, so at Corliss was um, we, we were noticing in our community that we we're moving from this, like funding an individual, a CEO, who's running a thing. It's kind of like an old model name, right? We were trying to show leadership could look different than this singular model of like bro in a sure. t-shirt, whatever. Um, and she, and she was catchy. She was catchy. Lots of people yeah. loved it. Lots of people hated it. Some thought it was yeah. too kitschy, whatever, whatever, you know, whatever people are haters. Sometimes they'll okay. be. Um, <laughs> but uh, one of the things that we noticed was just, was just so much more about the collective. Everyone's like, it's about all the support that's coming into me. It's not just about getting a check from people that believe in me. It's about all this other connectedness and relationship. And so as we're looking at that, um, we started to explore all the flow that was happening in the community and paying attention to a lot of the principles. And Coral ended up being this really interesting metaphor because we're a very, very small group of people who have a very big impact around the world. There's so many people know about this model and like lots have been part of it. About 7,000 women have contributed to it, but like, over millions of people have like told us, followed us, et cetera, uh, are excited about seeing another way as possible. And so it's a small, small thing. And so coral is less than 1% uh, of the matter, but it creates conditions of life for 25%, right? Like just incredible. So tiny, tiny, it can turn tides. It can regenerate itself. And then it grows in these um, like small colonies and um, they're all different. So there's all these different ways of being in these communities, but being part of a larger community. And we find ourselves to have different cultures and different things going on in the different, different countries where we're participating. So um, that's Coralist. And then it's all about us. Like there's just no more I, right? It's, everything is we. And anything that is done in the collective these days seems to have a door open and be flowing. And anyone who's trying to like exist to win the market, to only do their thing, that kind of stuff just feels like it's falling by the wayside. It's time for palliative care to that world. Mm, I think so too. I, um, I, I want you to talk a little bit more about this notion of um, circulating capital, because I think in the, in, in the bigger picture, you, you mentioned to me in our pre-interview that um, you thought that there was kind of a new economy opens up or a new model, like a, and that we may be at that 400 year fork in the road. Tell me your big yeah. picture ideas about that. So, I mean, Mariana Mazzucato, who's a phenomenal uh, economist um, out of Europe, has written a lot about um, value and uh, the cycles of what we value kind of shift every 400 years. And we're kind of at the end of a 400 year cycle where 400 years ago, you know, we decided that uh, it was all about the individual, you know, survival of the, the individual person. And it's like everybody has to go get their own little bit for themselves. Um, and so we've had this whole self-interest thing going on for some time. Uh, but like, if it's not clear to everybody else, <laughs> you know, climate change and all these concurrent crises that are going on, like, you, where are you going to go? You can't go like by yourself. Like, there's no escaping this. It's not happening. We're all in this together. So we need to like reboot our values and figure out what is it that we would um, like to create here? Because the way that we have our economy going right now is harming us deeply. For every 96, uh, for every new dollar of GDP, 96 cents of that is going to the top 0.1%. Um, so we that there's a complete missing middle in the economy. There are you know five people who have the same wealth as half the planet. Um, the extraction of the big companies over and over, um, like it's just the whole economic model cannot work uh, anymore. It's not working, and and the system is is really broken. Um, and so we have to rethink this. And it's an amazing 
opportunity. I mean, I have this, this is how I think everything's broken. What a great time to be alive. Right. Like I don't go down the pity party. Oh no, what's going to happen. But I'm like, okay, let's, let's get dreaming here, folks. So this is why, you know, when we started with our model, people were like, really, are there other ideas out there? Are there other ways? And so we just keep practicing every year, seeing it in front of our face. Right. Like, oh, there is another way to do home health care. Oh, there is another way to do packaging. Oh, there is another way to do education. Oh. And as you see more and more of that, it starts to get you going, OK, well, like, actually, we need more of this. What else could we be doing? And I see lots and lots of people starting to to like maybe go into the Oh, maybe this isn't the only way space. And if you can get to that space and then find the others, it starts to get really rich. And I have no doubt that we are going to pop um, in a way consciously that, that when we realize that like we can create a completely different world if we decide we want to. And I, I think that you speak a lot about how it tends to be local. The, one of the first places we should look is local. Talk to us about yeah, that. Yeah, I mean, just stay local. <laughs> I mean, if we learned anything during uh, all the, you know, the challenges with COVID, the global supply chains, I mean, it's, it's a... Comp- it's a big nightmare out there. If you are embedded in the global supply chain and you're not, uh, you know, connected to a direct line at a bank <laughs> of yes. like kind of endless funding, it's really, really, really hard to navigate the business world these days, unless you're absolutely enormous mm-hmm. um, at, in those big structures. And so what's happening is there's so many rich local ecosystems. You know, you go out to your local community and you see um, 22 different farms forming these new alliances into this zero waste grocery store in lower Vancouver. And this is what's happening now. We're creating a lot of resilience in local communities and, and feeding ourselves with food that's coming from much closer um, that we know the origin of it. We can track where it's come from, for example. Um, so the small is beautiful. Yeah. Sure. Marker. Um, model that stuff has way less stress in it i think if you're like oh i need to build the biggest thing in the world like i'm sorry you missed the boat it's over (laughs) like that's not happening anymore unless you're just being like a pillager essentially and trying to extract but if you want to be a good citizen of the world um go find the others locally and and root yourself in relationship with people locally and really look around and go like what do people need here who can i support how can i help each other like we're all going to need to help each other survive, mm-hmm. given all the stuff that's going on around us. And so with these climate crises that are going on, if you're not in relationship and community, you are way more at risk. Right. I don't care if you have a big bank account and you're sitting here, has if nobody knows you and you don't know other people, you're going to have a really rough time. So for me, everything is community, local, connected, mm-hmm. give your gifts and receive others' gifts. Mm-hmm. Pretty simple. And, you know, there's so, there's so much to, to the circularness of this besides just money. It's compassion. It's, um, it's just a pair of hands sometimes, you know, I don't know if you heard in the news, but we live in Vermont in the United States, just below Montreal. And we've recently had just extraordinary flooding. And um, I was kind of taken, I was just found it so many things showed up on social media where people helping others. Yeah, it's great. We just bought our first e-bikes from a company in the central Vermont that got just slammed four days after we were there buying our bikes. They got slammed. And the social media was just full of pictures and thank yous of all the people in their community. This is a normal standard business that had built a caring community of people who helped them come clean up or help them get everything out of there as the waters were rising. It was, oh, it's giving me goosebumps to think about it. There was... This this being local has so many um, assets to it that play out in what it means to be human and have and live a life worth living. Well, I think you know we have gotten there's there's been so many layers sort of obscured between us and like what we're um, consuming, yeah. right? And when you actually remove those barriers and there's transparency, it's really different. Like we have a venture in um, New Zealand who was hiring refugees to make activewear product. Okay. And she just had a really hard time during a lot of this e-commerce stuff in the last little bit and announced that she was going to be closing. And the community was really sad about it because so many people love that brand. 
and she sold $350,000 of product in her month after saying she was closing and had to bring all these people back, was able to pay off all of her debt, walked away with a little bit of money herself where she thought she was going to have to be bankrupt. Like the whole thing was just absolutely exquisite to observe. It was a sad moment. But also to see all these people come out and say, we love you. We can't believe this is happening. We're so sorry to hear this. And it's really got me thinking more like we can't care unless we know each other. And so that's why local is so amazing, because it actually allows you to get into relationship. And when you start to know each other, like one of the cool things that's different about our community is we have investors, grandmothers, marketers, (laughs) advisors, like entrepreneurs, Everybody's in the same community, whereas in the way the world's organized, we're all in separate places, right? We live in our little silos of things. But when you come together, you know, someone with money sits at a table and is hearing somebody talk about the struggle they're having at the bank. They're like, what? That's ridiculous. I'm going to make a phone call. And then it's effortless and it's like sharing power, right? Because it's not normally. So all these things can happen when we're with each other, shoulder to shoulder, um, experiencing each other's lives and contributing what we can when the going gets tough for you and it's not for me right now. Yes, yes, yes. Okay. So part of this transition in our mind to an economy like you're talking about is really unlearning a lot, um, disavowing ourselves of limiting beliefs. Um, I like to tell the story of an innovator Damian Mander, who has figured out that single mothers make the best game wardens in Africa. And, you know, the, the heart of that story is if you just start with a premise that game wardens, people that carry AK-47s and protect cheetahs are, can only be men, you, you've lost the point right there. You never have any shot at the, getting to that opportunity. And I think a lot of what I've learned from looking through your digital footprint is that you, you, there's a lot to be set free. So you have a wonderful story of being set free with this. Was it a Prague trip? Tell us the Prague trip story. Yeah. Um, you're so right. I mean, the biggest limitations are in us, right? Mm -hmm. So how do we get to that? So I was trying to figure out what to do with my life. Um, in my twenties, I had done my master's applied for my PhD. Um, and I thought, I'm just going to go over to Europe and take a little bit of a break because I'm not sure I want to go down the rabbit hole of doing my PhD. And I was there when the wall fell down, which was an incredible timing. And so I ended up getting on a train and I went over to Prague um, and up through Eastern Europe and then back down to Prague. Ended up staying for four years and it completely and totally changed me at a DNA level because, you know, I was surrounded by hundreds of thousands of people in Milltown Square where everybody was now free. Like one day there's a tank in your country. And you're not free. And the next you were actually there. You were actually in the square when the wall came down. No, no, no. I mean, I well, the wall was yeah in Berlin. The wall started coming down. But I mean, you were there. I was there. So part of the thing that happened is you're standing in these. So I was in Prague in the old town square, and people were you know literally chanting constantly about what they were going to do now that they were free. And it was just it's like this reverberation of like. You know, when you hear this over and over, now that I'm free, I'm going to do this. Now that I'm free, I'm going to do that. I'm like, oh my God, I'm free too. (laughs) What am I going to do? And it, you know, like, think about like, of course I'm free. I grew up in Canada on a farm. I wasn't starving. Like, but I had all these layers of people's expectations on me of who I should be and what kind of job I should get and how much I should make and all that stuff. Uh, Like all the expectations of society. And then it was just like, in an instant to just like flow into this place where everyone is like birthing themselves anew. If anything was possible, who would you be the case Saunders? Oh my God. And so I became an entrepreneur over there. And I, I, you know, I, I've, my question to myself that came around that time is like, you know, I started a business. I got a bunch of other people to start businesses. I was a huge advocate for entrepreneurship over there. And one day at a party, someone said to me, why are you doing this here instead of in your own country? And it kind of, I was like, that's a very good question. And then I thought, how do you create the conditions for people to feel free when they're already supposed to be in a free place? And that's been like my whole life. So I have 
business is the container in which I operate and innovation. And I love this space, but the underlying piece is really like, how can we create the conditions for each of us to be amazing? And so to come sort of full circle to what we're doing with Coralis, if you're surrounded by radically generous people who are just there to cheer you on, what kind of person are you going to be compared to like a place where people are picking at you all day, telling you what's wrong. And so we tend to see people go from like, here's my dream to like, whoa, my dream is going to be so much bigger if all of you are here on my team and starting to feel like, oh, that stuff that I had inside me that I didn't even dare say out loud. I'm going to put that on the table and see what happens. And so we like your potential is just like so much more vibrant and alive when you're surrounded in an environment where people are like, let's, yes, yes, please. That sounds amazing. What do you need? Oh, it's just, uh, I, I think it, the, the, just the concept is free, yeah. Yeah. you know, totally. now that I'm free, here's what I'm going to do next. I mean, that part could be metaphorical for most of us, right? Yes, totally. <laughs> You know, that gets me back to the part of our story that we have so many things in common, but um, that we both grew up in the farming environments. And you tell a great story um, in one of the bios I read where just a brief few sentences about how trying to make a farm work back in those days, everybody was an entrepreneur. They just didn't know it around the dinner table. Talk to us about about how you learned this ideation, how you fail, all those things. Yeah. I mean, my parents never talked about themselves as like even really running a business, right? It was just what we did. But um, we'd sit at the dinner table. My dad was like a super creative guy. And he'd be like, so what should we build? What should we create, <laughs> right? And we just like try things out. Um, and then at one point he, uh, anyway, he had this crazy idea for a haunted hayride, which we all thought was nuts, which of course meant it was gonna happen. Cause my dad would like kind of start the sense. I know we're not gonna do this, but, but if we did, wouldn't it be cool if, and then da 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 And then you just knew, oh God, he said that thing again. Um, but we would just then start dreaming. And so we would throw a bunch of ideas and he's like, okay, let's go, let's go do that tomorrow. And so we'd all traipse out and like build the thing and then see if people liked it and if it worked and if it didn't, but it, it wasn't like, okay, like we're just, there's, there's an abundance of opportunities to just build stuff. If you want to just try things and see what happens. Customers like it. They don't like it. That's okay. And uh, so I, I grew up in the stew of that consistently looking at something in the world, thinking it could be better, designing something around it, trying it out, getting feedback, iterating it, chuck it or grow it or whatever, depending on what's happening and follow the energy of like what happened with that thing that we're creating. So there's an abundance of opportunity all the time to just like try stuff out, see how it goes. And it wasn't like, let's make a five-year plan. Let's save a bunch of money to do things. Like we'd be like, who do we know who could, you know, how do we get a load of gravel? Who do we know who has this? And you just try, like you talk to the neighbors and if you're good at building relationships, you can kind of do anything. Oh, it's so true. You know, that, that leads me to how you and I um, came to be connected. We um, wrote an article about this wonderful organization called Street Wisdom. And then I was so taken by David Pearl and his way in the world. I recently interviewed him for this podcast. We'll refer people to both those those um, pieces of content because they're really fun. But, you know, he's got this huge uh, worldwide wander concept coming up um, that I think you guys are, are supporting as we are. Um, and I think that that's a really good way to think about how we uh, change the, how we listen to something besides the outer world for all our input. You know, he promotes just taking a walk and, and being more open to the input from the signs you're seeing or the cracks on the sidewalk or the faces you're meeting. Talk to us about how, how you let your brain run wild a little bit and how that relates um, in some way to this. Well, so I, uh, I have a humongous amount of curiosity. I'm just so interested in so many things and I um, have either built or, came with a great sort of synthesizing brain. Yeah. So, you know, I, I connect the dots in ways that, um, like, as my coach says, you have like a super highway in your brain for connecting people and ideas. And she's like, I got the rubble road, you know, like not at all. Um, and so the more inputs I have 
the more productive and creative I can be. So I'm, I'm like reading a podcast and then I hear something and then I connect it to something else. And I'm like, who's that actor? That looks interesting. And then I look up their bio on Wikipedia and then I'm over here somewhere else. Like I'm, I follow connections all the time. Uh, and, and then sometimes it gives me insights into the work that we're doing or not. Uh, and one of the things I adore about David uh, and Street Wisdom, and you know, I, I witnessed this in person with Tina from Creative Mornings, um, right. Tina Roth Eisenberg, because she was visiting me in Toronto and we were walking uh, over to a really cool market and she was stopping every few minutes and she'd be like, oh, look at that sign. Oh, look at that flower. Oh, and so she, because she had just done um, the Worldwide Wander and had been like, would never really walk out the door without like some kind of query, you know, some kind of question for the walk. And then there would be the answer. And I really love that too, where you walk through the city and you're like, I'm kind of stuck and just look, look for signs. And it's so cool. The billboard just like bonk hits you. It's like right there or the truck drives by or the license plate or whatever. And the ability to pay attention and not, you know, like way back in the day, I would have been like, Oh, what a weird coincidence. Now I, all that stuff. I'm like, that's gold. Every single thing I notice, I'm like, Oh yeah. Thank you. Universe. That was amazing. I totally agree. I, I, I think, um, when I think about that concept, I think it just opens up a world of possibilities that cost nothing. Yeah. Um, we invest something that most of us, um, have a lot of, which is our attention. (laughs) We can curate our incoming and open up to a bit of, uh, wonder just with what we have between our ears in every single small walk like that. Anyway, I wanted to mention that because I, I am so thrilled with how mm-hmm. it's worked in my life. I follow his little podcast um, primer and take 10 minutes and I always discover something that I, that would have never come up without that little 10 minutes. Nice. So, okay. As we go on, one of the things that you said that, um, that really impressed me, you reminded me of a Mary Oliver poem, which is a very long poem, but I saved just a little part of it. Um, and one of the things that that is the great takeaway from that poem is this line, it's giving until giving feels like receiving. Yeah, huge. Talk to me about that as we wrap up here. This this world that's a possibility, because that is it. That yeah. is it, Vicki. It uh, completely it is. Um, I think that we have been so um, cultivated in this narrative around transactions, give, take all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and what we don't see, like giving is receiving. It's the in-breath and it's the out-breath. If you're always just giving, you're like out of breath. <laughs> but if you like give and receive, and it's a thing that we have, um, I think, forgotten to do with each other is like receive other people's gifts because if you don't receive my gifts i can't give what i'm here to do and uh, this is this is such an unwinding we literally have to do the opposite of what we're used to when i give my gifts freely i am like literally helping someone else's dreams come true and that feeds me so that's receiving for me when I receive that, I, as I mentioned earlier, I go to bed at night going, oh, oh my gosh, I helped Linda, I helped MJ, I helped five people today. I feel so good. And that was from giving, right? right? Because for me, I'm receiving the gift of them asking. Like it's, it's just flip, you got to flip it around. And it could be, and it's giving from something you're, you're wealthy in, which is, yes. could be what, time, could be you, attention. Patience, yeah, give with what you have abundance in. That's a very important point because if you're giving from what you don't have, that's not healthy. Yeah, right. I think that's that for me. That was the aha moment in learning about your concept. Was this notion that we're all wealthy in some way? We we all have something abundant in our life that we have to contribute, and maybe it's what we're uniquely built to contribute, and we just haven't realized it yet. Yeah, yeah, and I think that's the only way you really learn those things is in community. You can't sit by yourself and go, what am I good at? Like, you know, whereas you'll get feedback all day long when you're in a circle of others. They'll be like, yeah. oh my God, you're so amazing at this, finding people mm-hmm. and like interviewing people and asking questions. Like the more you do that, the more you receive from others, this like witnessing of your gifts, which is incredible. Mm-hmm. 
That's a great way to say it. Thank you for just articulating it that way. So as we wrap up, you know, if this interview had only been two or three minutes, what do you really wish people knew, Vicki? I really wish people knew how amazing they are. <laughs> and I think that you can't really get to know yourself unless you know yourself through others. Mm-hmm. And so building your community and finding the others and surrounding yourself with people who've got you, who get you, will change your life. Yeah. And so find find the others is the whole thing. Yeah. And it took me a long time to find people who got me. So I felt I spent a lot of time isolated and alone and feeling like it was too hard. Um, and I am, you know, in tears half the time these days, just with joy of how special it is to be witnessed by people who get me every day. It's mm-hmm. absolutely blissful. So find the others and share your gifts with them and please yeah. receive the gifts they want to give to you. Oh my gosh. I got to tell you, um, as we wrap up here, um, something you said to me, it goes directly in that in that light. You said something like every day you just follow where the energy's coming from. Like I said, how do you do it all? How do you make sense of it all? Blah, blah, blah. Cause I'm sure you run into stumbling blocks like everyone else every day. And that was your answer. And I've thought about that a thousand times since you oh, said it. Thank you. So yeah. this is what we all can do. You know, something that might land on my ears differently than someone else. If we get in community, we're going to find the answers we need. Um, almost always. So lastly, how can people connect further with you and keep all this good thing going? Yeah. So please, um, I'm on LinkedIn, um, Vicki Saunders, V-I-C-K-I. You'll put my stuff in the thing. Um, and at Coralus, Coral, us, dot world, um, come and join us. It's a really fun group of people and um, pick a country, jump in decide where your money's going to go and create the economy of the future. It's an absolute blast. Oh, lovely. Well, thank you so much. I, I can't, uh, I can't say enough about how much this conversation is going to uh, no doubt ripple out in things that will change the future for many. So thank you for joining us. I hope all the connections to goodness and progress that Vicki and I shared with you today will head you through your week and you'll start finding all the joy and wonder that we've been talking about. Thanks. Thank you. We're cheering you on everyone.